Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for this night. And Lord Jesus, we confess to you tonight. We do. We love you. We love you with all our heart, all our soul, all our strength. Lord, let us go out and live our lives like we love you. Let us be living sacrifices. Fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. Let us encounter you, God, tonight through the study of your word and through worship and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Shake our foundation tonight, Lord. Revive us and fill us afresh and anew. In Jesus' mighty name I pray, Lord God. Amen. And amen. Amen. You may have a seat. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're continuing our verse-by-verse study on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So let's, let's, let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10, just so we can, I can get your minds and your hearts going in the right direction in our study tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 says, But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit. And here it is, this is what we're studying tonight. And to another the gifts of healing by one Spirit, and to another the effecting of miracles. There's like 20 plus gifts, operations of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. And tonight, we're focusing in on the, as, as it says there in verse 9, the gifts of healing and miracles. You know, a lot of times, you know, we have questions. You know, does God heal? Does he, does he heal today? What does healing look like? How about miracles? You know, a lot of times we like to say, man, my football team won the Super Bowl. That was a miracle. Well, friends, that's not a miracle, okay? That's, that's, that's a scientific possibility. But a miracle is something that is scientifically impossible that only a supernatural God can do. So we're looking at miracles and we're looking at the gifts of healing. And in verse 9 of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, when it says, to another the gifts of healing by the one spirit. The first thing we need to understand is that this is by the Holy Spirit. It's, this is a ministry of the Holy Spirit. And it, what's interesting is, it's like in the Old Testament, it, it's kind of like you see the Father being uh, Jehovah Rapha, the God that heals. In the Gospels, you know, God the Father. Then in the Gospels, you have God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, here in his earthly ministry, going about and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, and healing all sicknesses. And then in the New Testament epistles, you see the third member of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, uh, bringing healing to people as we see this gift. Um, now, what I want you to notice in verse 9 is it says the gifts of healing. That's plural. That's very, very important in our understanding on the gifts of healing because what it's doing is it's emphasizing the many kinds of afflictions in our life that need healing, okay? There's physical, there's emotional, there's mental, there's spiritual. In, in, in the Hebrew mindset, in the Jewish mindset, especially as we, as we go and look at some of the Old Testament tonight, the, you know, in the Jewish mindset, healing, they, it encompassed the entire person, okay? It was the whole person. You know, God can heal our minds. He can heal our souls. He can heal our physical well-being. And he can heal everything because he is God Almighty. So what I would like to do is we're going to start off in the Old Testament tonight. And you can turn there or we'll have it up on the screen. We're going to start in Exodus chapter 15, verse 26. And this is the first place in the Old Testament where God really shows up and says, I am the God who heals. So Exodus chapter 15, verse 26 says, 
And he said, if you will give earnest heed to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have put on the Egyptians. For I, the Lord, am your healer. And right there in verse 26 at the very end, where it says, I, the Lord, am your healer. In the Hebrew, this is Jehovah Rapha. This is the Lord who heals. The self-existent one that brings healing to their body. Now, context of Exodus chapter 15, verse 26. God spoke these words to Israel three days after they crossed the Red Sea. Three days after they crossed the Red Sea, they, they had been on foot wandering in the desert for three days and they had no water and they were starting to murmur and they came to a body of water called Mara. And then this body of water called Mara, that name Mara means bitter. It means bitter. And they began to grumble to Moses because the water was undrinkable. So Moses prayed and God instructed him to throw a piece of wood into the water and miraculously the water became fit to drink. And it was here at this place, three days after the Exodus, that God reveals himself to the, to the people of Israel as Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. And again, in the Jewish mindset, um, God was the healer of everything, okay? He, he, was, he healed the whole entire person, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual. And I'm going to show you some verses in the Old Testament that back up that he, that he healed in all four of these areas. Uh, throughout the Old Testament, Jehovah Rapha reveals himself as the one who has the power to heal them physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. So let's look at some passages. The first one is Psalms 34, 18. Psalms 34, 18. And this is, I would, I would categorize this under emotional healing. But Psalms 34, 18 says, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. That phrase crushed in spirit is exactly what it means. It is, is a accurate representation of what the psalmist is saying. Those who are crushed on the inside, those who are demoralized, those who are down, those who are depressed, you know, they're crushed in spirit, not physically, but emotionally, mentally. I would, I would, when I see this first, I think about depression. And God says that I can heal you emotionally. He can heal us in, in our emotions. Psalms 147 verse 3 says, he heals, here, here it is again. Psalms 147 3 says, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Again, the one who can bring healing to our soul, to our minds, is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals us emotionally. How about mentally? How about mentally in our mind? We talked about our emotions, but how about in our mind? Because Nebuchadnezzar refused to acknowledge the sovereignty of God, he was made to think and act like an animal of the field. You guys remember that in our study of Daniel? It says he had, he had claws and he turned into an animal-like figure there in the book of Daniel. And in Daniel 4.34, uh, the scripture says, But at the end of that period, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes towards heaven. And it says, My reason returned to me. God restored his mental capability there in Daniel chapter 4. And he says, I bless the Most High and I praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. So not only does God heal, can heal us emotionally, but he can also heal our minds. That's how big God is. That's how great and how magnificent the Lord is. Is that he, he knows us, man. He knows you. He knows every part of your brain. He knows every part of your heart. Not to mention every single cell in your body. He knows it all. And he is the God that can heal us completely. It's not just spiritual. It's not just physical. 
but it's also, also emotional and mentally. Physical healing. Physical healing in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew minds of, of, of the Old Testament. 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 10 says, Elijah sent a messenger to him saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh will be restored to you, and you will be clean. So he says, your flesh will be restored. That is talking about not spiritual healing, not emotional or mental healing, but our physical body. Here, if you go back and read this passage, this is where um, Naaman is healed of his leprosy. And back in the day, man, leprosy was something that people didn't touch. You know, they were told, it was told that when, when someone came into a gathering that had leprosy, the person was to cry out, unclean, 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 because people wanted to stay completely clear of people with leprosy. And we're going to see in, a little further in the study how the Lord Jesus Christ, not only does he come and heal a person with leprosy, but he touches them to bring physical healing to their body. So, so Old Testament, 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 10, we see physical healing. Psalms 41.3 says, The Lord will sustain him upon his sickbed. In his illness, you restore him to health. Here in Psalms 41.3, David, when everything is falling apart, what is he doing? He's trusting God for his physical health. So we see emotional healing, we see mental healing, and we see physical healing. Let's talk about spiritual healing. Because ultimately, spiritual healing is the most important. Because that's what every person needs. They need their soul healed so they can be in a right relationship with God. So they can spend eternity in heaven. So they can have Christ's righteousness living in them. That's the most important healing. God heals everything, but this is the most important. Still looking at Old Testament verses, um, spiritual healing. Psalms 103 Verses two through three, the psalmist says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits, who pardons all your iniquities and who heals all your diseases. I love Psalms 103 because you know what King David's doing here? He's talking to himself. King David's talking to himself. He's saying, bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord. And why do we bless the Lord? Why, why, why do we bless the Lord? He says, he pardons all your iniquities and he heals all your diseases. So iniquities are sin. It's when we transgress God's law. We break God's law. And, and we store up wrath. We, we, we build up a rebellious spirit toward the Lord. And he brings spiritual healing. In the Old Testament, you know, they, they offered sacrifices for the, for, the, for, the forget, for the atonement of sin. But when the Lord Jesus Christ came, he offered the ultimate sacrifice. I like to look at it like this. Those Old Testament sacrifices, they covered the sin. That They covered the sin. But the Lord Jesus Christ's sacrifice, by the Old Testament saints looking forward to the sacrifice, by us looking back, it completely washes away all the sin. And it brings healing to our soul. So he brings spiritual healing. He gives you a clean heart. When you put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, when you say, Lord, please come into my life. Please forgive me of my sin. I repent of my sin. I put my trust in you. I invite you to come into my life. He comes in and he brings spiritual healing. One of my favorite Old Testament verses on spiritual healing is Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18, where it says, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be as white as snow. They are red like crimson. They will be like wool. That's what the blood of Jesus does to our sin. As though we're dark, red, we're guilty, but the blood of Christ washes us clean and it brings spiritual healing. I'll never forget when I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I was blown away at the gospel. I was blown away at the message of the gospel. That everything I'd ever done wrong, all my sin, all my rebellion, was completely forgiven. God didn't hang it over my head. He didn't remind me. The Bible says as far as the east is from the west, he washed it away, 
Romans chapter 8, verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because you're completely forgiven in Christ, and he has healed your soul spiritually. You know, that's what, that's what we need. That's what we have in Christ, and that's what the world needs. This is the greatest Old Testament, most popular verse. I want to save the best for last, um, looking at healing in the Old Testament. And uh, we want to talk, I'm going to, I'm going to park here for a minute because I want to talk about what kind of healing Isaiah is talking about. There's really two camps, and a lot of Christians get um, real defensive on their position on what this passage means, but I want to point to you two answers from the New Testament. But it's found in Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 verses 4 and 5 says, Surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried, yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities, and the chastening of our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourgings we are healed. Or as the King James, I believe, says, by his stripes we are healed. Now the big question when people look at Isaiah 53 is they ask, what kind of healing is he, is he talking about? What kind of healing is he talking about? And there's really two camps in Christianity. If you talk to some Christians, man, some of them are like, this is spiritual healing, and it's not physical healing. And then some people say, no, this is physical healing, and it's not spiritual healing. Okay? There's, there's two people. And you'd be surprised that a, a lot of uh, well-meaning Christians they, they dig their heels in on their position. Some believe it's just spiritual. Some believe it's just physical. Let's see what the text says. Let's see what the Bible says. Now, those who say that uh, by his, the, the phrase, we say by his stripes we are healed. Those who believe that this is just spiritual healing, they run to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. So let's take a look at it. It's up on the screen. And, and, and they'll, they'll quote this verse, trying to prove that it's just spiritual healing. And it says, And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed. The context of 1 Peter 2.24 is clearly spiritual. Okay, He's talking about righteousness. He's talking about dying to sin. And he's talking about living for Christ. Okay? So, is the healing talked about in Isaiah 53, is it spiritual? Yes. Now, my brothers and sisters who say, well, no, this, this verse is for healing. You know, and we can trust God for healing, and they will say, you know, by his stripes we are healed. They go to a different passage. They go to Matthew chapter 8, verses 14 through 17. Those who, who, who believe that this is talking about physical healing when they say by his stripes we are healed in Matthew chapter 8 verse 14 through 17 says when Jesus came into Peter's home he saw his mother-in-law lying sick in bed with a fever he touched her hand and the fever left her and she got up and waited on him when evening came they brought to him many who were demon possessed and he cast out the spirits with a word and he healed all who were ill that's very important there. And then verse 17, uh, the Gospel of Matthew is quoting Isaiah 53 that we quoted earlier. He says, this was to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet. He himself took our infirmities and carried away our disease. The truth of the matter is it's both. Is both. By his stripes, talking about Christ's crucifixion and, and the stripes he took on his back, by those stripes, by his crucifixion, by his suffering, we are spiritually healed and we are physically healed. They're both there. Those are both very solid biblical positions. So Isaiah's prophecy, uh, written 700 years before Christ, written uh, 300 years before crucifixion was even invented, when he says, by his stripes we are both, we are healed, this is both spiritual and physical healing, I believe. Jesus' death on the cross 
It saves, it delivers, and it heals. You know, and sometimes people's eschatology, you know, can I say to someone 100% surety that you will be healed? And I would say, yes, I can. Okay? What healing is, healing in this life is a taste of heaven before you get there. Okay? Sometimes God heals people, sometimes he doesn't. But when he does heal and he brings a true healing, it's a taste of heaven. But ultimately, when we stand before the Lord Jesus Christ, when he returns at the rapture, we will all be healed. So it's just a matter of timing. It's just a matter of timing. So we see God in the, in the Old Testament healing. We see God in the Old Testament being Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. Well, as we move from the Old Testament into the New Testament, nothing drops off. Nothing drops off. Let's look at Matthew chapter 4, verse 23 through 24. In the Gospels, talking about healing, um, Jesus comes on the scene, and there, there are, I didn't, I didn't count them all, but there are lots and lots of detailed accounts in Jesus' earthly ministry of him physically healing people. Why? Because he is God. He is Jehovah Rapha. So let's look at some of those. Matthew chapter 4, verse 23 through 24 says, Jesus was going throughout all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. The news about him spread throughout all Syria and they brought to him all who were ill, those suffering with various diseases, pains, demoniacs, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. And what I want you to see there is in the opening of verse 23, or the, the very end of verse 23, it says, he healed every kind of disease. There is no disease greater than Christ. He is the great physician. He is God Almighty, and he can heal any and every disease. And then it says, healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. So he is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who brings healing of every disease and every sickness. And they were so confident in him that in the latter half of that section, it says they brought to him all who were ill. And it says he healed them. You know, going back to the Old Testament where we talked about how God heals people physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. Notice at the end of uh, of verse 24, how Matthew lists all these very, very different types of situations with people. It's the exact same thing that we see in the Old Testament. That, that the Lord Jesus Christ in his earthly ministry could heal people mentally, physically, spiritually, and emotionally. Because Jesus is Jehovah Rapha. And there's no sickness or no disease back then or today, that he doesn't have the power to instantly heal. Let's look at Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. It says, when Jesus came down from the mountain, large crowds followed him. Here it is. And a leper came to him and bowed down before him. And he said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and saying, I am willing be cleansed. And immediately, immediately his leprosy was clean. A couple things I see there in that passage. One, we see faith. We see faith on the part of the leper. It says, he says to, he says to Jesus, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. So he goes to Christ. He takes a step of faith. And he's like, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus sees his faith. And it says, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. That is the power of God. That is the hand of God. You see, when Jesus took his hand and reached out and touched him, that was the hand of God Almighty touching that leper. Not to mention the fact that he touched him. That he touched the leper. That was unheard of back in those days. 
You know, they, they were kept isolated. They were kept away from people because people didn't want to come in contact with them. But the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, not only does he heal him, but I find it fascinating that he touches him. That's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's, our, that's a compassionate Savior. That's a mighty Savior. That's a loving Savior. That's a caring Savior. He is the Lord Jesus Christ, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who brings healing. Um, let's look at another, another passage. This one I don't have up on the screen. Please turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. We're going to look at two more New Testament passages. And as we look at these passages and we study them, I want, you to, I want, I want to keep taking you back to the fact that it's not just spiritual healing. It's not just physical healing. It's not just mental healing. It's not just emotional healing. But this is all-encompassing. This is all-encompassing of the entire person. But look at Luke chapter 4, verse 17 through 21. It says, Jesus is there in a synagogue. And it says, in the book of, and, and the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, Jesus. He opened the book and found the place where it was written. And, and Jesus says this in the synagogue. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And the things I want you to see is in the opening statement there. He says, first off, he came to proclaim release to the captives. What's he talking about there? I believe what he's talking about there is Jesus came to break the chains. He came to break the cycle of sin. When you repent and you put your trust in Christ and you commit to being a disciple and you commit to following him and you commit to confessing your weaknesses to him, he will break the chains. I brought so much stuff into my Christian walk. So many things I struggled with. So many things that Pastor David was addicted to. And I praise the Lord today. I have victory in those areas. And there were seasons in my life where I struggled and I wrestled early on, but I kept fighting the good fight. And he gave me victory. He broke the chains. He, he released the captive in, in, in my life. He, he, he released me from the habitual practices of sin and living in darkness. And then the next one, it says, and recovery of sight to the blind. What's he talking about there? Healing. Recovery of sight to the blind. People that can't see, can't see. Now you could look at this spiritually and say, you know what? Jesus is opening their eyes and they're seeing spiritual truths and they're seeing spiritual realities. But in light of everything else the gospel says about Christ, I believe he's talking about um, recovery of sight to the blind. I believe he's literally, literally talking about sight. I believe he's talking about physical healing. And then it says, uh, he, he continues Jesus' words he says, to set free those who are oppressed. You know, when you think about oppression, what do you think about? You, you think about the, our emotions. You think about our mind. You think about our heart. And I believe what he's talking about here is a healing of the emotions, a healing of our mental state. You know, um, Christ can restore our mind as a Christian as we commit to discipleship and we are born again and we commit to being in the word, he can heal our minds. He can heal our hearts. He can heal our emotions. There's nothing in this world that, um, that you face this difficult, this challenging uh, that you can't bring to the Lord and that he can't handle. That's how great our God is. That's how great the Lord Jesus Christ is. And then um, 
At the very end of verse 21, he says, and he began to say to them, today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, Jesus Christ, the incarnate word of God, the son of man, he came to provide this ministry. You know, we get saved at salvation. We surrender our life to Christ. We live for him. And then what he does the rest of your life as you grow in sanctification and you grow in your walk with him, he begins to put you back together. He begins to put you back together. He begins to restore you mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and even physically. He, he, he gives, us, gives us wisdom in how to take care of our bodies and brings healing to our bodies. When, we, when, we, when, when it's his will and it's his plan and we ask him for it, he brings healing. So Jesus is Jehovah Rapha. He's the Lord who heals us physically, spiritually, emotionally, and mentally. Now turn over to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. So we've seen in the Old Testament that God heals in the Old Testament. We saw those verses. And now we look at the Gospels in Jesus' earthly ministry and we see healing. Well, what do we see in the book? Let's just, we're just working our way through the Bible. What do we see in the book of Acts? Turn to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. We'll pick it up at verse 1. It says, Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer. And a man who had been lame from his mother's womb was being carried along, whom they used to set down every day at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, in order to beg alms for those who were entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he began asking to receive alms. But Peter, along with John, fixed his gaze on him and said, Look at us. And he began to give them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Like, in other words, ooh, this, he's going to give us money. Because that's what he was there for. He was, trying to, he was trying to get money. He was trying to get sympathy from people and trying to collect money. But look at verse 6. But Peter said, I do not possess silver and gold, but what I do do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene walk and seizing him by the right hand he raised him up and immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened with a leap he stood upright and began to walk and he entered the temple with them walking and leaping and praising God and all the people saw him walking and praising God and they were taking note of him as being the one who used to sit at the beautiful gate of the temple to beg alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. What I find interesting about this healing that you don't see in the other healings, in the, in the gospel healings, you see two things taking place. You see the people's faith, and you see the power of God. You know, the woman who, who pressed through the crowd, and if I could just touch the hem of his garment... You know, she was operating in faith. She was working her way through the crowd. If I can just touch the hem of the garment of the Lord Jesus Christ, I will be healed. That was her faith in pursuing the Lord. And what does Jesus say? He looked at Peter and said, hey, who touched me? Power left from me. The power of God touched her. But what we have in this situation is you don't see faith. I find that interesting. You see, uh, you see the power of God working through John and Peter to bring healing to this man. You know, uh, this is early. This was uh, a healing to heal the man, of course, but it was also to authenticate the message of John and Peter. But I found it interesting, though, that he didn't go there to be healed. He went there because he wanted money. But God, so God can heal people even if they don't have faith. But he's operating through Peter and John. Just a unique, a little different angle that we see in this healing here in the book of Acts. I believe people can be healed. And I believe people can be healed today, physically, spiritually, emotionally, psychologically, by the touch of God on their lives. God is not limited, nor has he limited himself to a specific time period, okay? The question, is God dead? And the answer is no. God is at work in the world through his church, through the body of Christ. And we need to expect him to work. 
We need to surrender to him. We need to surrender to his sovereign will, to his sovereign plan. But we need to understand God is not dead. God is not dead. He is real. And he's moving throughout the world today. So, pastor, what do we do today? Here it is. We, we looked at the Old Testament. We looked at the Gospels. We looked at um, the book of Acts. What do we do today in 2022 if someone is sick? If someone is sick today, Pastor David is just going to follow what the Scripture says. He's going to go to the Bible. What does the Bible say for us to do today? James chapter 5, verses 14 and 15 says, If anyone among you is sick, then he must call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick and the Lord will raise them up. And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven of him. We will follow what the scripture says. And if, if somebody in our church is sick, is not feeling well, and they want to be prayed for healing, by all means, please come see Pastor David. Please come see Pastor David. We will just, we'll set a chair up, We'll take some anointing oil, as the scripture says. We'll anoint you with oil, and we will pray for your healing. We will pray for your healing. We will do what the word of God says to do. We will exercise our faith based on what is written in scripture. And trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. Now, I have prayed for people for healing and I have seen, I have witnessed people healed supernaturally. And it's an amazing phenomenon. But also, I got to tell you, I have prayed for people and they've not been healed. I, I've, I've, that's happened. Does this mean that God will heal 100% of the time? Well, we need to ask the question, did he heal everyone in the Bible? And there are instances in Scripture when believers were not healed. So tonight, we're talking about healing. You know, I'm talking Old Testament. I'm talking Gospels. I'm talking the book of Acts. I'm talking New Testament. But I, I want you to leave here tonight knowing everything the Bible says about healing. And there are situations in the Bible where people were not healed. Um, the first, I'm, a, I'm just going to run through them real quick. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 23. There they are up on the screen. Uh, Paul told Timothy, no longer drink water exclusively, but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and your frequent ailments. If anybody knew about the gift of healing ministry, the apostle Paul did, okay? But here we have Paul's associate, Timothy. He was sick. And the scripture gives us no account gives us no account of, of, of Timothy being healed. Galatians chapter 4, verse 13, uh, Paul says, But you know that it was because of a bodily illness that I preached the gospel to you the first time. So what do we have here? You know, we got we to understand everything the Bible talks about, health and healing and wellness and sickness and all that. Here you have Paul was sick. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul talks about a thorn in his flesh. And I know there's a big debate. There's a big debate up, out there about what the thorn in the flesh was. But we also know that Paul had issues with his eyes. 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 20. It says, Erastus remained at Corinth, but Trophimus I left sick at Malatos. So Paul on his missionary journeys, had to leave Malatus. Uh, excuse me. He left Tropimus. He left him sick at Malatus. So here we see another guy that was, that was sick in the New Testament. Philippians chapter 2, verse 26 through 27, indicate that Epaphroditus was sick to the point of death. So we see in their real lives the, this, this, this ministry of healing. It wasn't like the waving of a wand. You know, even the book of Corinthians talks about these gifts. It uses the word manifestation. 
manifestation. You know, I don't, I don't, I, I do not personally believe that an individual person has the gift of healing. In other words, he can just go around and just heal, 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 heal. I believe it's the Holy Spirit who does the work of healing. And as, as 1 Corinthians chapter 12 talks about, we looked at the verse last week, manifestations, it's a manifestation of the Spirit. It's a manifestation of the power of God that works in people's lives and brings healing. So what do I, you may be asking, wondering, asking the question, what do you, Pastor David, tell a believer who is not healed? I've seen people healed. I've seen people not healed. What do I tell an individual? I tell them what I tell everybody else. Keep trusting in the Lord. Keep trusting in Christ. Proverbs chapter three, verses five and six, one of my life verses says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Let me repeat that. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Trust in Christ. He is still sovereign. He's still in control. And he knows exactly where you're at with your ailment. First Peter uh, chapter 4 verse 19 says, Therefore those also who suffer according to the will of God shall entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right. To my brother or sister who's struggling or who, who's wrestling with a physical disability, with an ailment, you know, we got to continue to trust God. Ask, continue to ask the Lord to bring healing. But please understand, in our infirmities, in our, in our sicknesses, Jesus can be glorified. Christ can be glorified. Jesus can be glorified when we are healed, praise the Lord. But he can also be glorified when we serve him in the midst of trials, tribulations, persecution, and suffering. Again, I believe in healing. The word of God teaches we can be healed. Jesus is Jehovah Rapha. I believe healing still takes place today. Not at the command of a faith healer or a TV preacher telling you to just sow your seed and you'll be healed. That's blasphemy. But spiritual, physical, emotional, and mental healing can come directly from the master's hand, the Lord Jesus Christ. From the healing touch of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And there's nothing you should ever have to pay for or sow your seed. If you are a born-again Christian and you are a child of God, you can go directly to the Lord and say, Lord Jesus, I have this physical infirmity. I have this sickness. I have this illness. Lord, will you please heal me? Will you please bring healing to my body? There is nothing wrong at all with a believer, a child of God, who's suffering to go to their loving, kind, omnipotent, omniscient, almighty, all-knowing, heavenly Father, and say, Lord, please touch my body. Please touch my body. Please bring healing. Or go to your brothers and sisters or your pastor and pray for healing. Healing is, is um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It's, it's one of the manifestations of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And, and, it, and it's real. So we need to trust the Lord. Trust the Lord in all situations and, and understand that he is greater than all sickness. He is greater than all disease. He is greater than cancer. He's greater than anything that we can face in our life. And again, the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, you can, you can go to Bible verses that teach that he is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals our spirit, heals our mind, heals our motion, and he can heal our physical body. Now let's continue. Let's look at the second gift I want to look at tonight. So God can heal, and God is able. God is able. He is our, our healer, and he's the one we look to in our infirmities. And we believe in anointing people with oil and praying for the sick. Verse 10 says, and to another, the effecting of miracles. So we see the next gift, the next uh, 
uh, gift manifestation of the Spirit here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. In chapter 12 of your book, of, of uh, Chuck Smith's book, Living Waters, Chuck Smith says, uh, talking about miracles, he says this, this is the hardest gift to possess. And, I, and I, I'll, I'll freely confess, I don't have my mind completely wrapped around this gift or, or complete understanding, but the Word of God says it's a gift. It's a manifestation of the ministry of the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And if the Word of God says it's a gift, well, by golly, miracles are a gift. They are a gift, and they are a ministry of the Holy Spirit, I believe, for the body of Christ today. So, miracles. Miracles are defined as something that is scientifically impossible with man. Um, it's when God does something supernaturally that defies the laws of science, nature, and reason. Reason. Your winning team, your team winning the Super Bowl after ten losing seasons is not a miracle. A miracle is a scientific impossibility. If you struggle with believing in miracles, which I think some, at some point all of us do, we go through life and we're like, you know, hey, are miracles real? You know, what's what's What's, what's miracles all about? Do, is, 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 do miracles still take place today? I'd say yes, they do. And, and if you struggle with miracles, the, the first step I would, I would suggest to you in taking a step of faith is just look at the world around you. Look at what you can see with, the, with your eyes in this world that surrounds us. Look at the heavens and the earth. Look at the universe 93 million miles from the blistering surface of the sun hangs there in the center of the universe, planet Earth. A rotating spear perfectly suspended in the center of the universe. The ultimate creation from an infinite mind. And if you're wondering where I got these words from, this is from Carmen, who passed away last year, who, who wrote a song about 15 years ago, and that song was called, There Is a God. What he says in this song, he says, an unbelievably intricate, complex design. The size, position, and angle of the earth is a scientific phenomenon. A few degrees closer to the sun, we disintegrate. A few degrees further away, we freeze. The axis of the earth is, tidal, is tilted at a perfect 23-degree angle. This allows equal global distribution to the rays of the sun, making it possible for life in the food chain to exist. Then there's the combination of nitrogen and oxygen in the atmosphere we breathe every day. It just happens to be the exact mix that life needs to prosper. It doesn't happen on any other planet that way. Creation is a miracle that witnesses to every single human being. Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Paul said in Romans chapter 1, verse 20, he says, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, and divine nature have clearly been seen, so all men are without excuse. Family, you didn't come from some premortal ooze. And think about it. They, they, they want to say everything came from nothing. Nothing creates nothing, Okay? God is the creator, and his miracle that we, that, that we see every day is seen in creation. The miracle of the human eye. You know, go home and, and look in your mirror, and like, do your fingers like this right here, and look at your big eyeball. It's kind of weird to look at, but go home and, and look at your eye. Go in your mirror as you're brushing your teeth at night, and look at your eye, and think about how amazing and how complex the human eye is. It contains 125 million light-sensitive cells. They are called rods and cones. The human eye is a miracle. There's no way, there's no way evolution could have done that. There's no way man could have created those eyes. And then think about the miracle of life. A husband and wife coming together. A sperm and an egg and the miracle of conception. Life is a miracle. 
If we just open our eyes, family, the point I'm getting to is if, we'll, if, we, just, if we just open our eyes to the world around us, we'll see the supernatural hand of God. And those are miracles, by the way, because no man could do that. No man could do what our creator has done. So we look at the natural world around us. Let that generate faith. Let that understand how supernatural God is. And then once you got that picture in your mind of the natural world and the miracle of life, then take the next step and go to the Bible. Go to the Bible and look at the Bible and look for miracles. Yet in the Old Testament, you had the miracle of 10 plagues brought on Egypt. Moses striking the rock and water gushing forth. The walls of Jericho falling after Israel marched around them 13 times in seven days. Elijah prayed and it did not rain for three years. He prayed again and it poured like nobody's business. The parting of the Red Sea. Noah's Ark. You know, the Old Testament is, is just riddled, filled with miracles. And then you go to the New Testament. And let, this, let these be stepping stones to you understanding that miracles take place from the natural world to the Old Testament. Then you go to the New Testament. Jesus turned water into wine. He raised Lazarus from the dead. He fed the multitude with five loaves of bread and two fish. That's a miracle. You can't feed that many people with that little amount of food. And you see all the healings and all the miracles and the signs and wonders from Matthew to Revelation. And let that open your heart to saying, you know what? God is a big God. He's a sovereign God. He's bigger than our brains can even imagine. And he's capable of miracles because he is a miracle working God. Salvation alone is a miracle, okay? That he would take a wretch like me. You know, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter two that we were dead in our sins. But the, the miracle of the new birth the miracle of being born again is a miracle. It is a miracle in and of itself. So God is a miracle working God. You know, uh, on page, and, and the book Living Waters that we're going as, using as our guide, on page 153, I want to um, read to you part of it. And, and on page 153 of our book, it says, are miracles for today? They, they, they ask that question. And I, I want to read to you word for word what Chuck Smith says. On page 153 of Living Waters' book, the title of the paragraph says, Are Miracles for Today? Chuck Smith says this, and I quote, Does God work miracles today, or did all the miracles cease with the last of the apostles? This is a question that has occupied theologians for many years. Chuck Smith says, I counter, I counter with my question. Is God dead? Is God dead? A miracle is a supernatural happening. If God is still alive and still working, then there will be supernatural happenings and thus the days of miracle cannot be over. We believe in miracles. We believe and hold to the sovereignty of God. We hold to his providence, but we also hold to the fact that he is El Shaddai. He is Lord God Almighty, and he can move mountains at his sovereign will, at his sovereign decree, and all it takes on our part is, is the uh, uh, faith the size of a mustard seed. As a child of God, ask the Lord, he can move today, I believe, and I will hold that position till the day I step into eternity. If the scripture says it, I'm going to hold to it. Chuck Smith goes on to say in this, in this paragraph on page 153 and 154, he says, um, he believes the reason we don't see more miracles today is because of skepticism, rationalistic thinking, and religion. You know, we're, we're trained. You know, our world trains us to not believe in these things. You know, we're, we're so carnal-minded, not... So natural-minded, you know, we, we, we like to believe and hold to the things that we can touch and see and feel. And sometimes it's hard for us to step out in faith. Faith can be a challenge at times. 
Faith can be a challenge at times when you're going through a sickness or you're trusting the Lord in a difficult situation. It can be challenging. And our default is to trust in the natural realm, to trust in the things we see. But we can't. We can't, we can't succumb to skepticism, to rationalistic, you know, rationalistic human thinking and religion. We got to live by the word. We got to trust in his word. I want to close. If you would turn, your, turn our, our final uh, passage tonight, Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. We're going to close with this, with this passage. So I hope my prayer tonight is that you leave here and um, you have a better understanding of what the Bible says about healing and miracles. I'm going to close with Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9 says, verse 17. And one of the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought to you my son, possessed with a spirit which makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it slams him to the ground, and he foams at the mouth, and he grinds his teeth and stiffens out. I told your disciples to cast it out, but they could not do it. Verse 19. And Jesus answered them and said, O unbelieving generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him to me. Boy, that is a command. Can you hear, can you imagine Jesus saying those words? Bring him to me. (laughs) That's amazing to, to hear the Lord Jesus Christ, to think about him saying that. How long will I put up with you? Bring him to me. Let, 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 me, let, me get, let me get this young man right. Bring him to me. Such a command. Verse 20. They brought the boy to him, and when he saw him, immediately the spirit threw him into a convulsion and fell into the ground. He began rolling around and foaming at the mouth. Poor guy. He was suffering. And, and his father's, his loving father's trying to take care of his son. And he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. The dude suffered a lot. Went through a lot. And it, has, and it has often thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Doesn't your heart just go out to this young man, to this son? He is suffering greatly. And dad, being a loving father, says, man, I got to get him to Jesus. I got to get him to the Lord. Verse 23, and Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the boy's father cried out and said, I do believe, help my unbelief. My prayer tonight as we close the service is that, that that is our prayer. Lord, help us in our unbelief. Help us to go from unbelief to faith. Help us to go to trusting you through the trial, through the suffering, through the difficulty, but trusting that God has a plan and, and we trust him for it to be a supernatural Almighty God who rules and reigns over the natural world because he is a God of miracles. And brothers and sisters, if you're suffering physically, spiritually, emotionally, or in any way, um, I, I appeal every Sunday morning, man, man let, the, let the prayer counselors pray for you. You know, we're not just going through the motions to pray for you just so we say we pray for people. We don't keep numbers. We don't keep tallies or none of that. We pray for people because we believe that prayer works. We believe that prayer works and we can trust God even for the big things concerning miracles, healings, and and those kind of things. So let's pray. I'm going to pray for our faith right now. Father God in heaven, thank you, Lord, for your study of your word tonight on... uh, the gifts of healing, 
and miracles, Lord. Lord, help us to trust you in all situations. And Lord, let faith arise in our hearts. Lord, as we look at the world around us and we see the miracle of creation, Lord, as we look at our eyes and our life and we see the miracle of life and we see the the miracles that are all around us, Lord, let faith arise. Let faith arise. And then, Lord, let us go to your word and see how you supernaturally moved in the life of Israel, in the life of the disciples. And when, Lord Jesus, when you were here on this earth, let faith arise. And we trust you and we love you, Lord. And help us leave here tonight understanding more of the concerning the ministry of healing and miracles. In Jesus' mighty name I pray, Father. Thank you for your word. Father, thank you for your people. And Lord, if there be anyone suffering, Lord, I pray they'll bring it to our attention so that we can pray for them and walk alongside them and help them, Lord. We trust you, Lord Jesus. You are Jehovah Rapha. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen.